and a good Thursday to you. This is All Things Apostolic. I'm Dr. Nathaniel Wilson. I'm glad to be with you. And I have with me again our good friend and scholar, Pastor Jeremy Wilbanks from Coleman, Alabama. Welcome, Pastor Wilbanks. Good to be here. Thanks for letting me come back. Yes, sir. We are continuing a discussion that we are having uh, from time to time here. You have to, if you're going to go through the archives, you'll have to go back and find where we are talking on this subject. Uh, so far, I think we've done some of it at least every week. Uh, this is going to be today uh, a discussion that we're going to have again about uh, how the Bible's written. And and when you read it, what are you really reading in terms of the kind of reading? There are different kinds of literature. And mm -hmm. so the Bible has all kinds of literature, but what is the predominant scope of it? So we talked about this a little bit before. And then uh, when we finish this on Monday, we're going to break new ground. So we're excited about that. Um, anyway, so when you read the Bible, when we uh, where we stopped on this was that the primary uh, uh, method of Bible writing is narrative. Um, yes, it's 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 story, and. Um, uh, Pastor Wilbanks talked about that and explained a little bit about that to us. And when we talk about narrative, we know that in the Bible, there are portions of it that are not narrative. There's all kinds of literary devices used in the Bible. Uh, but narrative is the underlying uh, way that we uh, read our Bible. And that causes us to have to interpret it because narrative has to be interpreted. And so every reader is also an interpreter. So when we talk about this, uh, Pastor Wilbanks, we, we, we immediately run into, well, there's big sections of the Bible that are not narrative, like the epistles and the Psalms and so forth. Uh, maybe you can address that for us. Yeah, all, all the, the, as you said, the primary um, scope of, Scripture, the way scriptural truth is conveyed is in a story or narrative. Um, even the parts that are not narrative, such as uh, Psalms in the Old Testament, uh, prophecy uh, in the New Testament, epistles, all of those things, even though they are not narrative, they all function around narrative or elements in a narrative. Uh, for example, Psalms, good a good portion of the Psalms fit inside the scope of First and Second Samuel, or First and Second Kings, uh, some of them uh, fit inside the scope of the Exodus, um, and all of these things—they uh, all revolve around narrative in the New Testament. If you're reading epistles, a lot of those fit in the scope of the Book of Acts. Uh, so, unless you know the narratives uh, or the elements that are in a narrative, uh, you can't understand Isaiah unless you understand covenants that fit. Those are major elements inside of the narrative. Uh, if you don't understand covenants, if you don't understand the narrative, you're not going to have any uh, any cogent understanding of Isaiah or any of the other prophets. But this is how scripture or God chose to give us truth was in a narrative. And as you've said uh, already in this recording, that makes everybody who's reading scripture, not just a reader, but it makes them an interpreter. So uh, I once had, um, it was a young man, 
uh, came to me and he asked me if you were to tell me a place to start studying scripture. He was new, really getting into digging into the word of God. Where would you tell somebody to start? And I said, well, um, I would say the first thing that you need to do is you need to learn the stories. You need to learn the narratives and you need to learn how to pull the truth out of them, how to find, locate the truth in them and find them. And part of, uh, part of understanding a narrative is understanding that a narrative has parts to it. Uh, I don't know if sections is a good word, but it has, it has different movements, different portions of it that yes, different components that break a, uh, a narrative or a story down. By the way, if you're preaching, there's tons of good preaching in just breaking a, a narrative down into, we're going to break it down into four parts just for ease. There's tons of good preaching in just breaking a narrative down. Uh, do we have just a moment, uh, Dr. Sure, Wilson, for me sure. to just No, this break is very a, interesting. Okay. So if you're going to interpret a narrative, this is important because this is how scripture, um, this is how scripture relates truth to us. Number one, if you're go so if you're going to break down a narrative, if you're going to interpret a narrative, you have have to recognize these at least these four parts. The four elements or characteristics of interpreting a narrative are this. Number one is the exposition. Exposition is the the status quo. Um, it shows what's norm what are what the norm is i'm using the word norm and not normative and that's a different discussion but so the first thing you have to recognize is what the norm is it's that it's what's been going on for a long time and then the second part that you have to recognize in interpreting a narrative is the complications and it's the it's that which uh, that sounds negative but it's not always negative the complication is not always negative but it's that which disrupts or alters the norm in such a way that it, in most cases it blows everybody's mind. Um, so that's the second part. First part is exposition. Second part is the complications, the norm and that which disrupts the norm. The third part is the climax, which is the resolution of the complications. Um, how were the complications resolved? What fixed it? Um, was there something introduced that changed everything? What, how, what resolved the complications that were introduced uh, earlier in the narrative. And then the fourth part is a French word, which is called uh, the denouement. Uh, and that is a return to normal. But it's not really a return to normal. It's really the establishment of a new normal. So a narrative, uh, every narrative that you read, by the way, this isn't just scripture. This is uh, classic literature. This is, uh, you can be reading a cowboy novel by Louis L'Amour, and you're going to see these things. Uh, the exposition or the norm, the complications, that which disrupts, disrupts the norm, the climax, which is the resolution to the complications. And then fourth is the denouement, which is the return to normal, but it's really a new normal. Uh, one of the great examples of this that's kind of humorous in the, uh, in the New Testament, the Bible says the apostle Paul was preaching one night and he said there was lamps burning in the room and it must have been on a, in an upper level room and it was warm in there. And there was a man uh, sitting in a window seal named Eutychus and uh, Paul preached for a long time. That's the norm. This is just a, this is just a small little, I, I've the seen norm a is, lot of places where that's the norm. <laughs> Paul preached for a long time. So this is the norm. And somewhere in the course of his preaching, uh, Eutychus falls out of that window and the complications 
are introduced to the story. He's dead. He's dead on the ground outside and everybody goes out and you can imagine the scene. Somebody's crying. 15 people are in shock and Paul goes down and the climax is introduced. This is a great example. The climax is introduced. The resolution to that, to those complications is a miracle. Paul raises him from the dead. And then the Bible says they go back and Paul keeps preaching. <laughs> he, they, they go back to normal, but it's not. Can you imagine the riveted attention that Paul had from that point forward? Because he's not just preaching. He's just performed a miracle. So just in that small little segment, you can see the norm, that which disrupts the norm, the resolution to the norm, and then the return to normal. Okay, well, this, this goes across the expanse of Scripture. This goes across the expanse of, of Scripture. We could talk about the creation and the norm that God created. The, the normality that God wanted was a garden. Then we see the complications that are introduced with the fall of humanity. And then we see all the way up to Calvary, we see the resolution of those complications. And we're going to see that all the way up to the book of Revelation when a new norm is introduced. But it's not just a new norm. Uh, it's, or it's not just a, a return to the normal. It's really a new normal that we're all going to live in. So part of what we have to recognize is, so we, talk, we gave an example of a narrative, that small narrative in the book of Acts where Paul resurrects Eutychus. But then all of scripture can be seen with those movements in it. So the question is, and maybe this is one, Brother Wilson, that you can jump in on. The question is, it's not just recognizing those four things, but God has different uh, different portions of those, uh, even of those four elements of a, of a narrative are administered or stewarded, if that's a word. They, they are, they're administered by different people with different elements involved. And we have to recognize those. So we have to recognize those, uh, the elements of interpreting a narrative when it's a small narrative, but more important in interpreting the meta narrative. Uh, and I'm curious as to what you would have to say when it comes to interpreting Yes. So, so, uh, I mean, I think it goes without much discussion that the Bible is a book of narratives that when they are combined, they're not just a group of stories, but they create the form mm -hmm. meta narrative, an overarching narrative, and that all of them are moving towards the, the big culmination. Uh, which is the redemption, and in the Bible's case, it's the redemption of the earth and the universe through the death, burial, and resurrection and glorification of Jesus Christ. Uh, and that is the that is the that's what creates the new norm. And uh, he is exalted even in his humanity to a role that uh, supersedes any other role of anything created. So that's the ultimate culmination of the meta narrative that all of these narratives play a part in. Now, we also mentioned classic literature, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here on this today, but uh, the, 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 there are books in, a, in the world. There's a group of books that are called the classics, and they're called classics because, number one, they deal with issues that are forever important to man, issues of life and death, issues of uh, the, these are books that the, the stories will uh, we'll deal with what you talked about. There is a normal, there is a covenant made and mm -hmm. um, there are promises, promises of big 
in every story. Promise plays a tremendous role. Um, and then there is guidance and protection. Uh, that is the um, Aegis, a part of the story, some of the individuals in the story. And then there's always uh, subject matter about failure and about mercy and about hope. And then your, your final discussion there about a new norm includes the idea also of a new start. And mm, so yes. when you when you look in the Bible, these these elements are so easy to see as the stories layer and build yes. up and mount towards a culmination where they all coalesce, uh, where the in colloquial language where the planets align, they all yes. coalesce in in the grand finale that is outlined for us with the with the final result in the book of revelation especially in the the final result in chapters uh 19 uh on so so this is uh uh this is important for us to understand and i appreciate your discussion there about about the 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 role of narrative and particularly the role that those narratives have to be interpreted now if you if, you, if you're preaching to a church uh, it, it shows the importance of having teachers, of having a pastor, of having yes. leadership. Um, um, they're not just they're not just spewing stuff out, but they are taking these stories and on deep levels interpreting what God is telling us through these stories. Some things are obvious in the stories, and other things are layered in uh, in a little more obscurity or complexity. And mm -hmm. so we need teachers. We we need leaders, but. Uh, at the same time, anybody can read the Bible and they can receive uh, spiritual and uh, emotional and mental nutrition from the reading uh, of these stories. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, we have a, a few minutes here, let's talk a little bit about the uh, overarching narrative, the the general narrative. When When we get to that, uh, maybe maybe that's a little premature, but when we get to that, we're, we will see that there is a kind of story in all the narratives mm -hmm. that, in the Bible, for uh, and 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 perhaps other books, but definitely the Bible. There is a certain kind of narrative. All the narratives in the Bible, in general, I'm not talking about trying to find some little exception somewhere, but. The general flow of all the narratives in the Bible pivot around the Greek word oikonomia. Mm -hmm. And they are, uh, maybe I'm creating a word here, but they are oikonomic. And in English, uh, in English, we would say what? What is what is that translated in English? Economic. Okay, economic. So, um, so but oikonomic tells us more than economic in English. Oikonomic, oikos, or oikos is, is, is Greek for house. Household, uh, yes. or, uh, like, like, like home. Mm -hmm. And so when you, uh, when you look at these stories all revolving around home, and later we're going to take time to really get into the fact that it, it revolves around home. When you, when you look at that, you see that you're going to see that all the way back with uh, Adam and Eve, uh, the garden was, was home and God is 
daddy. And in the home, there are uh, always elements that would be disruptive to the home. This is all part of the story. Right. And, uh, and those elements do disrupt the home in a dramatic and catastrophic way. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we call the fall, that we all still live with, with elements of that, many elements of that in our world today. It's why we call it existence instead of uh, perfection or essence. And so uh, without getting off in all that, you can see that that oikonomia um, is a warm word. Uh-huh. It's it's a it's a domestic word. O- oikonomia is not a, a jungle word. It's not a, a wilderness word. It's not no. a wild word. It's not uh, a scientific, uh, sterile kind of word. The very fact that, that that word characterizes the stories in the Bible lets you know that this is, a, this is about affections. And God presents himself way back in the Old Testament as father. And uh, even with Israel, he, he identifies them repeatedly as his son. And uh, even in Deuteronomy that we often think of uh, with, with laws and some of them very harsh laws, uh, but he says um, uh, as an eagle hovers or flutters over her young. And the word flutter there is a, is a feminine word. It, it's talking about a, a mother eagle. And so this whole idea, this whole concept of God's relationship with his people is encompassed in this oikonomia word. It's it's a household, and so you see this not only there, but uh, you see it with the call of Abraham. It's a household, you and your family, Isaac, Jacob. There's stories about their wives, the growth of their children, the challenges in their home life, and how that all interprets in bringing you the great story that's going to literally become the universal story of the ages. Now, we want to talk about that some more later, but I think that's important. The irony of it is, when we look at oikonomia, that it is this warm and gentle and loving and parental uh, relational word uh, that no matter what else we get into, in this discussion about the movements and progressions of the word of God, we need to remember that that is the pivotal word. Now we'll spend some more time talking about and showing how that is a pivotal word uh, in the gospels and how it is in the old Testament and how it is in, in the epistles and, and so forth. But I think that, um, uh, well, I think we made some good progress today. Well, give us a little added thought there before we go, uh, on a preaching level, uh, this is not detached from an interpretive level, but the things that you just brought up, the fact that oikonomia, oikos, uh, oiko, house, and then nomia, government, law, government, uh, the way the household is governed, that you talked about it being warm. Uh, this kind of harkens back a little bit to what we recorded in one of the previous recordings dealing with narrative. And that is, this is not a story that you can just read. You actually have to enter the story. And I think that those, that feeling part of it that you just mentioned, that is, that is inextricably linked to borrow a brother Wilson word, uh, 
to interpreting the story gives us a way, because this is what has to happen. We all have to realize that we have entered that story. In fact, have never been detached from it. Um, so when we look for meaning, we're not just looking for what does this story mean? We're actually looking for how it, what, what our meaning, what our role in that story is. So uh, the, the, the narrative and the meta narrative, uh, both of them open doorways for us to enter. When we read about Jacob, we don't just read about him. Uh, we're, if we are connected to this through the Holy Ghost, we're supposed to feel something of what he felt, understand something of what he understood, participate in some way with what he participated with all through the power of the Holy Ghost. This is, this, is what's in, this is what's important to understand about the narrative. Number one, number one, yes, we can interpret it. Number two, and this is probably more critical, and I think this is what we touched on today and in previous uh, recordings. Number two, we are involved in that narrative. The way this narrative breaks down is not just for interpretive purposes. It's for living purposes. We are living the breakdown of this story. So it's important for us to understand how it's been broken down uh, theologically, how it's been broken down hermeneutically, and then it has an applicable sense. Those breakdowns affect the way that we live. So this is important for us when it comes to interpreting narrative yeah. and when it comes to interpreting meta-narrative. That is really beautiful because we're not just talking about sterile buildings in a city somewhere. No. We are talking about homes which the primary yes. thing is, it's where people live. Yes. Thank you for being with us today. We want you to be with us next week. We will be talking about this uh, some more. Uh, sometimes we have so many things to report on Monday, we actually don't get started on it till Tuesday or Wednesday. But, but we're working through it, and uh, we're not going anywhere. By the grace of God, we're here to, uh, to work through and to enjoy uh, being a part of the household of God. We will be talking more about the household of God yes. next time. God bless you for being with us. God bless.